just about anything a person could do has already been done. How do we come up with new things? Is this process unique to humans, or do we just do it best? Is there a process that, if followed, yields original ideas? And why do we value doing something just because it hasn't been done before? Creativity, coming up. Philosophers. Philosophers. So David, I've heard this word like four times this week, and every time I do, it just kind of makes me squint. Um, have you ever heard the word ideate? Uh, not until you just told me about it, no. Okay, so um, the context in which I've heard this is I watch uh, a podcast. No, no, right? You podcast? Um, and it's a very crude podcast. And by we, by which I mean, the each of the people, there's three of them in the podcast, they all have some other creative outlet. They're either a Twitch streamer or they make YouTube content or art, depending on how you felt about the last video or two we did. Um, um, and they often have a guest on, but they frequently kind of use this as a behind the scenes outlet where they talk about a lot of their projects that didn't ever make it to fruition. Okay. Um, and they also kind of discuss why they all live in the same area. And they frequently mention, Oh, we'll get together and go to brunch and have some drinks and then ideate for a while. And literally what they mean and the word ideate means form an idea of imagine or conceive it's it's dedicating time to just coming up with things or just being creative or coming up with ideas and that's just kind of strange to me for some reason because i feel like don't we just do this all the time anyway like why do you need to set aside time for it i guess to remove distractions because a distraction depending on the type of distraction can prevent creativity in that way. Yeah. But sometimes I mean, you need to focus on an idea. No, but that's not this. If you have an idea already and you need to focus on it and workshop it, then that's not, not ideating. Well, I get, I get, okay. I guess that's the thing then. If you have stuff that you're normally doing, then you're going to focus on that. And that's time that you're not spending coming up with new ideas. I don't know. I, I just feel like I get ideas all the time and a lot of them are tangential and that's what makes it interesting is I'll be what, doing you tangents, which reminds me I, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like we'll be, I'll be talking with someone about something or I'll be watching a YouTube video about something or I'll be reading about something or I'll be doing something already. I'm not setting aside time specifically to do this, but I'll go on a tangent in my head and usually by the time I get to the bottom of the tangent, I'm somewhere nowhere near where I started and it's like, oh, this might be a new thing. And then you just keep the tangent going and that segment of the tangent is some idea, you know? Or if you come across a problem, problems beget ideas, you know, necessity being the mother of invention and all. Sure. All that. But Typically, in order to encounter a problem, you need to be focusing on something that yields a problem, right? Like you come across a problem. Mm -hmm. I, and I mean, I think the, the word that I've heard maybe that I'm less icked out by 
is like brainstorming. That's I think what it was called when I was in school. Yeah. And teachers would have you get together and do a brainstorming session where you all just sat around and did nothing. And you came up with the idea because not because you had your brainstorming session, but because you were running out of time. Yes. Which hear me out. I would argue that while necessity might be the mother of invention, I feel like uh, deadlines also tend to be pretty darn good at getting things done. Like necessity gives you inventions. Deadlines give you results. Um, well, deadlines are necessities. Sure. In that yeah. way. Like it's an artificial necessity. You need to do a thing by then. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just weird to me. And I also, what makes me, what, what made this even come into my head as something that we could talk about as a topic is not so much this concept. It's how people react when I've spoken to them about this concept. <laughs> Some people agree wholeheartedly with me that it's a waste of time and dumb and an excuse to be lazy and do nothing. Or they go a little further than me and say those things. I didn't say those things, you know. Um, but sure you didn't. Other people <laughs> get like near violently angry when I say things like, I don't get this. I don't think that this is a real thing. They're like, but of course it is. I mean, how do you think? And they start pointing at examples of things that, you know, like famous statues or like they'll mention Michelangelo or Da Vinci and be like, you think that they, you know, were just started painting the canvas and then all of a sudden the Mona Lisa happened. I'm like, well, no, I don't think it's like that either. But I think that he painted a lot more paintings than the handful that we think that we like. It seemed to me more like a profession in which someone practiced a lot. And it wasn't to him about what he was painting so much as it was about how to get it onto a canvas. Like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't about the subject of the painting as much as it was about the technical skill. Yeah. So, what's the point? Right, because the Mona Lisa, to take the example, is a portrait of a person. Yeah. There's nothing creative about painting a person. Exactly. Other than that, you are literally creating the image on the canvas. But, like, you didn't come up with the idea of a woman. I don't know. Do we have any pictures of women before that point? <laughs> How do we know this? <laughs> As a matter of fact, we do. <laughs> ah. Okay, so he's a copycat then. Yes. <laughs> but that brings me to my next point, I guess. I also tend to subscribe to the idea that there are not very many new ideas. No. A lot of things are rehashed and recontextualized. Like, there are way more... And even artists admit this. Sure. Like, they talk about... Well, and everyone, everyone knows it, because whenever someone does something that... Like, whenever an artist does art that we think is important... The first question anyone asks is, what inspired you to do this? Right. I.e., what did you copy from? Right. But if you... But that's a delicate line to walk. Like, we, we choose certain words very delicately to do that. Because if if I were to walk up and someone say, oh, cool. So, what did you copy? What two things did you mix together to make this? Right. And... I guess more broadly speaking, like, why are we so defensive of the creative process? Why is creativity so hotly guarded like this? Like, I like, feel like these days, boomer, <laughs> everything we do is increasingly being encroached upon by machines. Mm. And so we feel like this is the only thing that makes us special. 
is that we can come up with ideas. Sure. Because that's the one thing that at least all the machines we have built thus far, they don't do anything without a person deciding to do something with them. Right. So it's scarcity? I don't know. I don't know about that. Or is it... Or is it like we are special because we're creative? Yes, we're special. That's what people want to think. And... In a real sense, we are special among the other things that are around right now. Yeah. But yeah, I I think if you took a survey, like a global survey of what makes humans so special, if you, by, by canceling out, you know, all the different, you know, maybe culturally specific things like religions and and other uh, memes, I think human creativity is going to come out as, if not the top thing, one of the top things that people say. Like, what it all boils down to. Yeah, but if we took that, let's just say we did agree. Sure, creativity is one of the reasons we're so special. What is creativity then? If we're already acknowledging that it's people copying each other Mm -hmm. and also copying nature in a lot of cases. Right, yeah. If you didn't get it from another person, you got it from something else that you saw, yeah. Yeah, uh, or experienced. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, there are very fancy, very fancy words about this, but it's where designers and architects take things from nature and then make artificial things that look like them or learn from them. Mm -hmm. Like, I forget the anecdote I have for this is some design of some bullet train was inspired by the wing of some bird. And it's like, okay, makes sense. Or, you know, plane wings. I was going to say plane wings are inspired by bird wings because they fly (laughs) look at this thing it's heavier than air how does it stay in the air gotta figure that out yeah the first thing you guess oh well i see it flapping so it's literally just pushing on the air to stay up and it does do that but turns out not enough um there's more to it it's like oh well what if i just build a thing that has the exact same profile as this wing oh it works right um so acknowledging all of that, would it be safe to say that creativity is just an, I would argue that creativity is more, we're just describing a certain type of social behavior because that's what most of it is, is it's people, you know, you can have creativity in a, in a single unit, a single person, mm-hmm. right? They can look at things in nature and get inspired, for example, right? But the vast amount of things that we consider to be the most creative aren't borrowed from nature. It's borrowed, it's abstractions that at one point, at some point, were borrowed from nature or some observed behavior or thing that have then just been warped and warped and warped and warped and warped down through human history um, as ideas and memes that all require us to be social. Because I think that you know if if we were, if we just took creativity as the a single person doing a thing un, uninspired right in fact to call a work of art uninspired is kind of to denigrate it isn't it maybe people just use it that way yeah literally uninspired the definition is lacking in imagination or originality yeah which that doesn't make any sense 
What do you mean it lacks originality? Nothing came before and inspired this. How is it not original? Right. Maybe it's just people misusing words because we just do that. Inspire. Inspire carries with it a certain emotional connotation. Mm. And so uninspired is the lack of that. Uh. Because when you're inspired by something, you're like excited to do it and you care about it. And so if you're uninspired, then, you know, it's sort of half-baked. You phoned it in. That kind of thing. Okay. I'm going to guess that's where that came from. Yeah, that makes more sense. You didn't even bother looking to see if anyone else had even done this before. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even bother to look and see how closely you may or may not have copied someone else. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I mean, it, it, but when you look at it like that, it's sure it's still a good thing, right? I don't think that anyone thinks that creativity is bad. I think that'd be a hard thing to sell. Um, but as a value, right? Like a cultural value, how do you value creativity? I mean, I think it's safe to say that creativity comes at a cost. Or the traits that allow a person to be quote creative also tend to come with costs it seems like um, what well antisocial behavior is one i mean okay. to put it this way you need to be social enough that you can get ideas from other people interact with people to get those ideas and interact with the world around you to some degree to again gather ideas And these are things that can be done passively. And in fact, I would argue are done most of the time passively. But you need to also, you know, what makes it not copying is how you change it and the combination you're using or how much you warp the thing. And in order to warp something outside of what's normal to be creative you need to be somewhat antisocial, I think. And I and, and and this is anecdotal. I'm not a psychologist, but I would think that there are probably some... There's probably a higher correlation of things that we would consider to be mental illnesses amongst people who are cre- who are highly creative. And, and and when I say that, I don't... I don't necessarily... And the reason I say that is not because I've looked at any statistics, but if you look at how we define a mental illness, it's literally... Mentally abnormal. Yeah, it's something you're doing that's not normal well creativity although usually we qualify a mental illness with like because you don't like, like yes technically a mental illness is just mental abnormality but the connotation of illness implies like it is getting in the way of your normal functioning sure but in a very social society, I think that you being antisocial or like antisocial personality disorder, for example, is it, it exists. Yeah, and it's be it's not because it's because not being social is harmful to social creatures. Like we've evolved in such a way that we rely on social groups to not just survive but thrive in a lot of ways, and we've come up with ways to get around that. You know what I mean? Um, Like technology enables us. Technology and modern economics allows us to essentially never have to interact with another person if you don't want to. If you really didn't want to, you could survive on your own. You're still benefiting from the technological advancements because you can acquire those things without ever talking to a person. Like, for example, 
if I locked myself in my house and turned off my phone and just used the internet in order to send messages out into the world to effectively machines to get what I want, you know, ordering things involves other people. But I can go on. You're not talking to those people, though. No, exactly. It's not exactly. sending a request to a machine, which shows up on a list when a person looks it up. Right. And then puts the stuff in the box and tapes it up. Yeah. Exactly. So. But we we would still consider that to be bad to some degree. If you did that. I think people would probably not consider it healthy. Exactly. That's what I mean. Um. But it's also, I think, seen as being unhealthy. But when is it addressed as being unhealthy? Not while you're doing it and people don't know about it, right? No. It's not like having a heart attack. If people don't know about it and it's happening to you, it's still bad, right? Mm-hmm. Antisocial personality sort of in that way, manifesting in that behavior, for example. No one says anything about it when it's, you know, just an abstract person or when they're not thinking about it. It's when that person comes back to society and needs, and then is forced, in some cases, into interacting with others when they've gone so long without doing so. Then all of a sudden it's bad because... I don't know that that's what antisocial personality disorder is. I might be, read, I might be mischaracterizing that. Antisocial personality disorder is sociopathy. Oh. <laughs> it's the same thing. In that case, being antisocial behavior, where like you literally want to opt out of society, whatever that is. Right, which is, I guess agoraphobic in some ways, but that doesn't necessarily mean extreme social anxiety. Extreme social anxiety, yeah. You know, people who suffer from that don't. You know, they probably feel good when they're not interacting with people, and it's not a problem while they're not interacting with people, and there's no one to diagnose them with that because they're not interacting with people. But the moment you know you've gone, I, I would argue that the longer you go not interacting with people. And you get used to it. Just like exposure to the sun. The longer you go not being in the sun, the more sensitive you are to it. Mm-hmm. When there arises a circumstance in which you now need to interact with people again, it is way more terrifying than the day after the last day you interacted with people. You know what I mean? Right. And then all of a sudden it becomes a mental disorder because, oh, now it's impacting your health. It wasn't before, maybe. But now that you're forced back into the, it's, it's the people that are causing this, but we don't want to blame people. It's a lot harder to blame society and society likes no, to structure itself. No, it's you. You have the problem. You yeah. have the problem. Yeah. Because you're the one suffering. Right. And we've all been doing the same thing this whole time. So how can we be wrong? Right. You know. Um. But I would be willing to bet that you see similar things amongst creatives, like creative people. Um, and I don't mean, and, and and the reason I say that, that is as well as there are certain people that I think that a lot of people would say are creative that I wouldn't say actually are all that creative. For example, most musicians that perform music for a living, you don't actually need to be creative to perform music. No, you need to be skilled. You'd be skilled. That's different. P- to write music, you need to be creative. Yes. To make, to like, to make. Now as in, think about a composer. Yeah, com- yeah, exactly. And the composer is not the maestro. That's a different thing. Right. Now, there are some that are both, but. Sure. And there are many composers who are also performers. Yes. Most of them, probably. Well, sure. Because you got to feed yourself somehow. 
it's a lot hard. It's a lot easier to make money to feed yourself performing music than it is writing music. Like it depends on what type of composer you are. True, but I would argue if you're that a classical composer, then you don't have to care. But there are very few of those, relatively speaking. Right. I think the risk reward functions are different. Like, if you look at the total number of jobs, like if you if you're going into this and saying I'm going to become I can I, I want to either be a composer or a performer, which again most people do both. But like, if you have both skills and it's like, hmm, I need to feed myself this week, and I have forty hours of working time this week, realistically eighty of waking hours this work week. Right, you're gonna book a show. You yeah. book a show because that's gonna pay out. You're a lot less likely to get someone to put a down payment on your next composition. You know. Although you might you're you might be doing both though. Like you might be writing something for you to do at this show that you've booked. True. Absolutely. But what are the people paying you for when you get there? Showing up, yeah. Yeah, performing. They would pay you the same as someone who may show up and do covers. Right. You know, they, they, the people hiring you want live music in the joint. Right, they have other in. motives, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's... <clears throat> and so when you eliminate for just the performers, you know, I think it becomes a little bit more clear. Um, painters, authors, people like that, where it is creative, where it's performative in a way where the only way you can monetize it really is to show off what you've done. But the process of creating is not what you're showing off. You're showing the result. Right. Yeah. Whereas, the only people who are going to be interested in the process are other composers. Right. Well, or and, people who would like to be and, composers. Yeah. And and maybe you have the, you know, the occasional enthusiast. Sure. But yeah, it's, it's a lot more niche. And so, I don't know. I think that, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying that this is bad, like, but what, but what is the good? Like we all kind of tend to think that creativity is good, but where does, where does that come from? Is it because it's unique is is it because it, is it almost like a novelty effect that we appreciate it that it's like oh this is a neat, this is a thing that I cannot do ergo I appreciate it it's a thing that I cannot do but examples of people doing this have yielded things I enjoy ergo right. I appreciate that's it that's the important thing as well yeah because there are lots of things that people can do that I can't but I also have no interest in whatsoever yeah um very very true there um I think carnivals are a good example of this where there's a small amount of appreciation of the weird thing that you can do that most people can't like sword swallowing eating fire and stuff like that even though there are tricks to a lot of these things just being a person that does it is kind of strange you know that kid from elementary school who could turn his eyelids inside out yeah imagine if that was a job it is welcome to the carnival (laughs) yeah (laughs) and we stereotype the crap out of carnies for it too yeah but that's what I'm saying. Like there are stereotypes around creatives that I don't think are totally unfounded, like other stereotypes might be. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, it's their life, right? Sure. If they want to do that and they find it worth it, then that's fine. But what do we do when those people come to the society together? Like, you know, there's been this great invention in the last, you know several years called the internet that allows these people to talk to each other now now they don't have now they don't have to weed through the masses of social people to find each other 
uh, they can find each other. And now that they can work and collaborate together, they can also advocate for each other in a different way. And so what do you do when there's a very, very small percentage of the population like that, that all of a sudden they don't like, they, they want society to change to make life easier for them, you know? But society has a very, society don't like to change all that much. Not very quickly. No. Unless at gunpoint. Just examples, you know, society's changed a lot during war, Mm -hmm. very rapidly. But what do you do? You know, I think that's where you start seeing questions like that, where it's like, well, is, do we really need the thing? Like, it's almost like a negotiation, right? Like, imagine I came to you and said, hey, hello, sir, I'm here to offer you this. Say that I'm a baker and I bake cookies and I bake really, really good cookies. You love my cookies, right? And for the longest time, the arrangement was I showed up at your house and brought you cookies, right? And then one day I stop and say, you know what? I kind of don't like driving to your house anymore. I kind of want to open a bake shop and have you drive to me. You have to redo the math. Because mm-hmm. now it's not just, oh, cool. Guy shows up, I give money, I get cookie. Now it's, I have to go get the cookies. Mm. And still pay for them. Yes. So if, if you view this as a negotiation where you want to keep things the same, which to be fair, it's benefited you a lot so far to this point. You know, you might start looking for ways to negotiate. Well, I mean, are the cookies going to be at a reduced price since you're saving money on gas? Or are they going to be the same price? You might start looking at other alternatives, like mm-hmm. are there other cookie stores? And and to and and I know that this is not this is actually a terrible way to do this, but to personify society, being your average person, a really large, comically large giant of the average person versus the tiny percentage you know if you were to scale the height of this person to be the weight of that society versus the tininess of the creative person you know society doesn't like to cater to to demands to change and so they you're redoing the calculus how valuable is it and i think that's where maybe this attitude of eye rolling when I hear the word idea it comes from is I'm like, oh, okay, creative, like sure thing. Like you couldn't be happy taking your millions of dollars to make silly videos, you know, like you had to tell me about your process, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm being bitter because I don't get to get paid millions of dollars to be on vacation all the time and film it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where all, you know, this attitude comes from. I see. Honestly, you know, I'm not trying that's how I feel about it. You know, I'd love to have a life where I could do that. Sure. What I makes most people would. Sure. And the, and the reality is, is that I could attempt to do that, you know, but I'm also the same person that took the risk assessment and looked at, and you know, if, if you have any aspirations to maybe be creative or you're looking at the risk, the, the cost benefit analysis of attempting to be, seek a creative line of work scroll to the bottom of twitch right look at the sea of ones and two viewer people that keeps me humble to be on i actually do that i every time i start to think about man i could just do this podcast full-time and then make videos and be funny and then look at all the people trying yeah look at all the people already trying to do that and not succeeding and some of them are funny some of them work really hard have really good production value but just for whatever reason, they're missing right. luck. the luck. 
So is that what it is about creatives that we actually appreciate? Because the only creatives we care about are the ones we know about. Right? I mean, in a in a cosmic sort of way, uh, all creativity is luck. Coming up with an idea is luck. You're not the author of your own thoughts. Exactly. Thoughts occur to you seemingly out of nowhere. And you can get lucky enough to come up with a good idea. Or in the case of some of these creatives, repeatedly come up with good ideas. Sure. And that's the thing that I'm interested in is I don't think that this... I, I do think right, this so is Right, then luck. they're lucky in multiple ways. They have the genetic luck to have a brain that is more lucky at coming up with ideas. Right. So back to the ideating part of that. This works for you because you're you. Right. It's your creative process, not the creative process. Right. And it can be trained to some extent as well. Just mm. to, to some extent. Mm. How so? How do you think? Just spitball it out there. I'm for thinking me. back to like composers. Um like the more you learn of something like music theory more th- different things start occurring to you like new possibilities occur to you is it the possibilities that occur to you or is it just make the process of taking the idea you had and making it more efficiently transferable to a way that other people already understand and think I guess, okay think of it this way let's let's change the topic from from yeah. music mathematics Okay. You're not going to come up with a new groundbreaking theorem if you don't already know algebra. That's true. But being, it, being trained in something like that gives you the possibility to get lucky in that special way. Right. Where if you weren't trained, you could never have had that thought. Okay. Next question then. Let's take a famous mathematician. Euler, for example, okay. right? Yeah. He's a very creative mathematician. Yes. He came with a lot of really interesting things. Uh-huh. Highly recommend you look him up. He's sorely undervalued in the mathematical community. Outside I the know, mathematical community. Outside, yes. <laughs> very few people know who this person is. To be granted, though, very few people know who any mathematicians are. Right. Anyway. So. There's famous mathematicians? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's several. There's families of them, in fact. Mm-hmm. Brulees exist, you mm-hmm. know? Um, anyway, I could go on for a little bit. But I also make great shotguns. But that's Brunelli. <laughs> that's Just kidding. Brunelli. <laughs> um, okay, sorry. Uh, I, But... Does that only work for one thing? Like, for example, Euler being creative, he happened to be trained as a mathematician. But if you trained him to make music, would he have also been a creative musician? I don't know. And it's hard to tell, right? Because once they learn the thing... Now they've they've specialized. Yeah. yeah. And why would you ever bother going back, especially once you become successful? Which, if if you're a person that's lucky at coming up with good ideas... Once I give you a framework to go be creative in, you know, I think that there definitely is something to that. But, you know, I would be interested to see what percentage of creative people have multiple outlets. Like, it seems to be that way. How many? Um, okay, quick tangent. Do you consider actors to be creatives? No, they're performers. Okay, I agree. So never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, Okay, so let's take it to screenwriters then. Those people are creative. Sure. How many screenwriters also are in a band? You know, like, can we look at correlations to see if there are them? Right, probably few. Yeah. Hmm. But how many are also trained musicians? Probably few. 
So that's, that would be the interesting thing to see is, is it, is it a personality thing? Is it a you thing? Your genetics are lucky or does it have to be applied in the right place? I think it's a, probably a little bit of both. I think there's a secret sauce luckiness component, which is just being able to understand something and then messing it up in just the right way in your mind to make it different in a way that other people wouldn't, you know? Right. Um, but that being said, so are we equating that? So why is it that we look at creative people different than we look at lottery winners? If they're both just getting lucky. Because creative people produce things that we appreciate. Hmm. Okay, next thing. Um, what about physically talented people? And I mean, like, not people that train, just train super hard. Because there are people that absolutely train super hard to be cert- good at certain athletic activities. But there are also people that are just born for it. Like, they're built for it. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah, they're just better. You can train to throw shot put really well but if you're not born a certain height with a certain muscle mass distribution and arm to like height ratio that you're missing out on the last you are just inferior to somebody who is yeah right at um, that thing exactly yeah. and uh i know that again they're like basketball is an example i get given a lot um height is not the only thing that's important in basketball obviously there are plenty of six five taller people that aren't playing basketball and aren't in the nba but when you look at the average height of the NBA player, they're giants. They're giants. Yes, they're huge people. And there are still some short ones, but they don't Those play the certain exceptions. positions. Yeah, and, and they don't play certain positions. Yeah. Yeah. They're the exception. They can they can make good shots. Like we appreciate those people. Yeah. And for maybe a strange reason, is it still the Carney effect of like, wow, that is I can't believe you're getting away with that. Yeah. It's fascinating that someone just can do the thing. We're like, it, it's the achievement that we're, you have every disadvantage here, but you can still do it good enough. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the vast majority of the other people. Like, oh, I see. It's like, yeah, you're gigantic. What would be really fun is to watch a bunch of gigantic people run around and play football or play and play basketball. I don't think that's how that happened though. No, we set the rules and I think yeah, we we set the a goal is going to be this high. Yeah, we set an artificial challenge and then it just so happens that Well, it, if you're tall, you're already closer to the goal. <laughs> makes it a bit easier, but you right. can throw the ball. Well, you can. But if there's a taller person than you in the way, they can also stop you the ball from going. Yeah. Right. So, and I don't so know. yeah, the tallest people end up playing basketball. Yeah. And I think in the same way we do set artificial boundaries for creativity, because there are plenty of people that you could say, wow, that's creative. And if you say it that way, you can mean it honestly that it's very, very creative, but you do not appreciate it. Right. <laughs> um, you know, but medieval torture devices come to mind. <laughs> people got very creative. Yes. <laughs> um, but there's also like this ethereal, like, goal we set where it's like but if you don't if you're not if you don't go too far right if you go just beyond what we expect and you break our expectations in just the right way we'll love it so there's your artificial goal that we've set forth now that we've gotten to here you know if you can meet that goal it's just marvelous to see someone to reach that goal you know because it's rare and because it's lucky maybe that's why it's still the luck thing um 
I don't know. I don't want to come across like I'm saying creativity is not worth it or that it's dumb. I don't think that at all. I think that it's absolutely valuable in a society to have people that are creative, you know? Yeah, you just think the creatives are full of themselves? Yeah, I think a little bit. I think that you need to take into account the fact that you're getting lucky. Like, I've yet to be convinced that a creative process is necessary to be creative. I think that there's maybe some weird psychology going on. Like if you convince yourself you need your process to be creative. Because in general, it's very woo-woo-y to me. You know what I mean? Just like well, how... There, yeah, there's power to rituals though. True. That's the thing. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Doing the ritual gets you in the mood that you need to be in where the ideas start coming. Sure. Just like I have a ritual that prepares me to get up and work a shift every day. Sure. It makes working the shift less bad to do that. Right. Um, but I don't glorify it, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe that's my thing where it's like... And when we set this thing... And I also think that maybe there's a bit of unfortunateness, I guess, to this. It's like me seeing a seven or eight-year-old kid. You know, I used to do some mentorship type stuff with younger kids. And uh, man, some of them really love sports. They just ain't built for it. They just ain't built for it, you know? <laughs> and and it's hard to tell them, like, you know, I, mean, I don't want to lie to them. Like, you, no one wants to lie to children, necessarily. Right. Unless it's funny. But you also don't want to be the guy who tells a child, like, your dream is impossible. Yeah, you don't want to kill dreams either. But why is it that we... Uh, I also feel like, though, dreams get killed anyway, eventually. Eventually, they're going to run up against reality. Yeah, that's the thing. Sure. Um, so stop now. We know now it's impossible for you to do this thing. So find something else you like doing instead of wasting time. Right. And don't be wrong. You you are essentially trying to convince them to make a value judgment, right. which if they were an adult, you'd be totally fine with them making themselves. But because they're a child, they're not good at those yet. I think there's a right and a wrong way to do that. Like. Like, for example, if you tell a kid, he's like, oh, I want to be president someday. You know, you squint at him a little bit and go, mm -hmm. really? Why? Yeah, we, we, we do that route. Like, we don't say, that's stupid. Don't do that. Like, well, some people might. But you kind of ask them why. You want to probe out why they want to do the thing. And you, and you first have to figure out, because they're children, are they being serious? <laughs> or do they just wake up this morning and see, you know, a former president on the back of a box of cereal and decide that's what they wanted to do that day? <laughs> Is fantasize about that. You know. Or, yeah, I want to be in charge. Of course you do. But you don't know what's involved in being in charge. Yeah. Why you don't you... understand the thing that you're in charge of. Right. You just want to tell people what to do. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, at some point you also got to explain that whole process of like, well, like, how do you tell kids? Well, maybe if you're lucky. But there's a good chance that you won't, even if you do everything right. Like that thing—that's a hard life lesson to learn. That a lot of creatives don't have yeah, to the learn. The meme of you can be anything you want so long as you try. No, 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 you cannot. But see, I also feel like that most people that end up being like top tier creative people weren't told that, <laughs> or they were told that, and they're the exception. And they're like, I am living proof that it's possible to follow your dreams, and it's like. 
but you're the exception to that rule. It's just like, you know, it's like the person who comes into wealth or winning the lottery. And it's like, I don't understand why poor people don't just buy a house. It's like tone deaf uh, a little bit. And don't you realize the only reason you're able to do any of these things, like your path to success is the least likely path to success, financial success. Mm-hmm. Maybe realize yeah. that your a advice pa- is bad. A path to financial success is winning the lottery. It is not a viable path to success for most people. Right. Maybe factor that into your calculus before you tell people your advice on like, People are just dumb. Why aren't you rich? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dumb. Just get lucky like me. You know, and that goes back even further to like being born into certain circumstances. Right. What, what the key you... to success. Choose your parents wisely. Yeah, choose yeah. your parents wisely. Yeah. If not, respawn until you get some good ones and get a re-roll. Life's a, <laughs> life's a roguelike, apparently. Um, <laughs> or at least to people who believe in reincarnation, it is. Um, I don't know. I... But that's my whole thought about creative people, you know what I mean? Especially high-profile creative people that they wield a surprising amount of influence for being as creative as they are, which is fine. But it's like the same thing we complained about before with just wealthy, influential people. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that they are responsible for what other people do based on what they tell them. But I do think that because I'm not listening to what you're telling them to, to do necessarily, because I'm not listening to you. I'm not doing what you're suggesting that I do. I mainly kind of take issue with your attitude towards it. Like, I disagree, you know, and I don't know. I think that some reality adjustments are necessary <laughs> from time to time to bring us back to that, because when we get too focused on, you know, to me, what sucks to watch is to watch someone go through that mill right of all right guys i'm going to be i'm going to start every day like example um i have friends slash former friends that i went to high school with that wanted to be musicians for a living like but that's not really what they wanted they wanted to be rock stars yeah famous right and Those poor guys can't win if they're losing, you know, or can't win for losing. I don't know how to say. I have no idea what the actual. I I hear it said all the time, and I nod my head because it sounds right, but I don't actually know what it means. They can't catch a break because for the longest time, it's like okay, fine. If I've tried to convince you that this is not a realistic career path, but you insist, okay, then actually do it then. Right? That's the attitude. Like, uh-huh. imagine the person who says, I really want to be a rock star, but they don't know how to play guitar yet. It's like, cool, maybe you should start by picking that guitar up and play it then. Like, I've, right. I, I'm fed up trying to convince you not to do this dumb thing that you're trying to do. The least you can do is actually try. Show progress. Yeah. Show progress. So, finally, he started playing the guitar. It's like, cool. So, when are you going to book a show? Go perform something. Do covers. Get in front of a crowd and do your thing. And get booed off a couple times, you know, and and then so on and so on. And then, but that'll eventually land them in a place where it's like, well, you're doing everything you can. Let's hope you get lucky. And then by then it's like, wow, thanks for telling me that now that I'm 10 years in and thousands of dollars in debt, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt trying to get here, you should have told me this on day one. It's like, well, I did. So here we are, you know. But yeah, they're still out there. 
you know, years and years, like over a decade after being in high school, Doc's dated, but um, still trying. And no one's looking up to that. Why are those stories not the same? Like, why, you know, I feel like for every story, a person was a savant from the age of three, <laughs> you know, playing the piano. There needs to be an equal story of the person who did everything they could and then didn't make it. And there's also the saddest of all three outcomes. The person who did everything right, never got famous, died and got famous posthumously. Yeah. That sucks. That's the worst. Talk about the most unlucky. You know? In my mind, anyway. Right. Van Gogh was that way. Mm-hmm. No one gave a crap about him until he died. Um, Kafka was like that, but he didn't want to be famous. I don't know. All this for the ch- all of this chasing creativity, you know. But I also maybe tend to think: Do you think that creative people can help it, or is it just kind of wired into them? No, I don't think they can. So that being said, it's like, well, maybe we just do classify it as a mental disorder and just move <laughs> on. <laughs> no, I I don't uh, know. As a non-creative person, <laughs> um, it's just interesting to watch the process, you know, of not the creative process that doesn't exist, but like the, yeah, those chasing that it's, it's otherworldly almost to, to be, to behold. Um, but if you look at it as a group, like, like if you look at them as a group, they're absolutely essential because every now and again one of them will do something amazing. Yeah. And it's worth justifying their entire group's existence based on it. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, do they all get to benefit? No. But we keep the group around. We, we're tolerant of the whole group as a whole. That's the benefit. That's the benefit. You <laughs> continue. We let you continue we to We tolerate exist. you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I guess back to my earlier analogy, though. I don't think I ever finished because I tangentially went off my way. Do you think that my tangent about creative people being a person versus the major society as a person negotiating, like, how do you think that's going to pan out? Like, do you think that we as a society will continue to become more tolerant of creative people now that they have a, they're more effectively able to advocate for themselves as a group? Or do you think we won't see the value? Like, what do you think about that thing in general? Or do you disagree with the premise? Because I I feel like that's a pretty safe assertion to say that, oh, all sorts of very small minorities of people hold more ability to influence now than ever because they can work together. You know? Yeah. I mean, back before that, you had, like, artist communes and stuff where, or, like, artist lofts where a bunch of artists would get together and do be creative together, and then one of them would get famous and then peace out on all of them, you know? I don't know. I, I guess I don't understand your question. Oh, um, so 
people's attitudes towards artists in general. Like uh-huh. my attitude towards my former slash sort of acquaintance, now friends being famous. We kind of just go, well, okay, keep going. You'll get there. Um, and the way we treat artists in general, like if you look at the way artists are treated, mm-hmm. the vast majority of them are usually treated pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that all of the artists can get together to advocate for more acceptance of the, just more tolerance of that as being a acceptable lifestyle and path. Do you think that we'll, that the broader society will continue to be more supportive of it? No. You don't think so? I think there's also like a counterbalancing effect that there there is a natural resistance, psychologically speaking, to I don't want to I don't want to say it so plainly as like people justifying themselves. But <laughs> Okay. But something like that. Self aggrandizement go on. Yes. <laughs> something like that. Um so yeah, like on the one hand you have creatives are able to communicate better with one another and this also creates its own uh influence but also there will be more and more people who resent them for doing that Mm, true yeah i think anytime you force a dichotomy like that of we the creatives and you the non-creatives essentially is what you're saying okay well i don't like you anymore yeah it's like well great i'm now in the other group oh our group's bigger cool like right um yeah that's true i think you're absolutely right I didn't think about that, but no, I think you're absolutely, that's absolutely true. Um, that's a weird thing that people do, isn't it? Not the, not the forced dichotomy thing, but the, anytime anyone wants to feel special, everybody wants to feel special. Mm-hmm. But when everybody's special, no one's special. It's weird. That kind of, I think, is a great way to sum up the, the creative problem going forward. Like, it, you know the problem well, yeah, with the whole thing of yeah. yeah like people are like oh yeah in the future we can all just be artists like no we can't yeah when you're like yeah think about the musician like the musician the musician is appreciated by their ability to like draw masses who want to hear their work mm-hmm. not everyone can draw masses right where are the masses going? If everyone is doing a show, nobody shows up to any of the shows. Right. <laughs> if half the population is doing shows, then each of them would get a single audience member. Which that's not how that would work. The reality right. is, is about one of them would get about 90% of the people showing, 80 to 90% of the people showing up and right. then trickle down from there. Yeah, there'd be a distribution curve over that. But no, yeah. I do think one thing that will change is that and this is more towards performers rather than creatives, but I think it applies to creative people too. Um, Previously, what I think also made the barrier for creativity so high was mass appeal. For example, Andy Warhol was considered creative, but what they, what he did wasn't that hard. Like, right. You know what I mean? But it appealed to a lot of people. Mm Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock was a lot less famous at the time, arguably. And if he was famous, it was more for his stances on things than his art that he created. And you're buying this person's creations to support them as a person and the messages that they're up, they're they're espousing, right? Um But there are also plenty of people that were like making sculptures out of like 
poop that no one cared for. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, sorry, that's too niche. <laughs> you know, you need to dumb it. You need to sell it to the masses in order for you to be actually famous, which is another kind of interesting. And your thing. work literally stinks. So exactly. Um, but I think now in the same vein, this, the same thing that allows these people to get together also allows for niche audiences to more easily form. Yes. Um, Bill Wirtz is a good example, I think, of that. Is Bill Wirtz still niche? Yes. Okay. He always will be, I would argue. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, David. You're strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but hear me out. He, Bill Wirtz, 100 years ago, doing the relative equivalent of what it is that he does now, would be nobody. Right. You know. Um. Yeah, appreciated by his own friends, but and, probably nothing else. Yeah, right. And so I think that's a good thing. So I, what what you'll see is audience sizes on average get smaller. But well, no, sorry. Audience averages stay the same, but the uh, standard deviation will decrease a bit. You'll start seeing a couple of slightly smaller than the superstar audiences being a thing because people will choose to elect their niche over what's commonly possible or what's, you know, commonly accepted to be good. Right. If we want to think about music, it's like, it's not the few dozen artists that end up on the radio Mm -hmm. or have, or, you know, get lucky enough to get a record contract. You don't have to get a record contract anymore. You need to do this at home. Right. And in fact, there's, I think quite a crisis in the record industry because of it, right? Because they realize people realize, Oh wait, I can just go straight to the distribution distribution, which was the whole reason record con- companies existed before. Right. Oh, you want to be famous? Well, you're going to need to sell records to be famous. So I think you can sell records. So I'm going to take the hit up front to stamp a bunch of records with your song on it in the hopes that enough people buy it, that you'll be, famous which will then drive more record sales and then you'll get a percentage of that now with outlets like spotify and youtube and all the centralized systems for distributing music and even the decentralized ones being so easily accessible right now the only reason you show up to a recording studio is because you can't afford the equipment which you record even then the cost of recording equipment's also i would argue is coming down yes because it's extremely viable to record at home. Yeah. Well, and more people are wanting to do that. Yeah. So there's more demand. And so people are having to figure out cheaper. The demand of the people who can't afford the top tier stuff is up. So those who are able to manufacture almost as good, totally viable, especially since most people also aren't listening on high-end audio systems anyway, to take advantage of all the nice things that you can provide them with the full spectrum of sound and everything like that. Cell phones and airpods right which are not by any means the peak of audio listening experiences they're high fidelity i mean compared to an edison cylinder yes but (laughs) sure people who made them are high fidelity (laughs) are um yeah and i think that's good but i don't think and so in one way it's like it's more viable than ever to appeal to a niche but it's becoming less and less viable to be famous because it's just harder because how do you appeal to people who have their niche filled and appeal to multiple niches at once? That that becomes even harder, I think. 
Um, because now you're competing with the niche thing that people otherwise wouldn't have known about before. Um, but does that not decrease the demand? Does that increase or decrease the demand or, or like when I say the demand for creativity, what I guess I mean is does that increase or decrease? How does that affect the cost benefit analysis though of the me looking at the seven year old, like if the seven year old looks up at me and says, I want to make comics. That's way more viable than it used to be. Right. That's actually something I go, you know what? You could probably do that if you got good at it. Might have to draw some things you're not comfortable with at first, but like you can get there, you know, but yeah, you could do that. That's way more viable than it used to be when you had two companies you could work for realistically to make comics for. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) each of them had like four or five series that were actually selling, you know, essentially two buildings each with like a floor or two of comic book writers in the u.s anyway um it's like oh, okay that's less that's less unreasonable you know than being president anyway um it's like people being happy just being a politician it's like oh that's actually very attainable being a politician in general is pretty attainable mm-hmm. especially if you're willing to move <laughs> Right. Move to a small place with a handful of people that are easy for you to one-on-one interact with and you can elect get elected into some stupid office like Justice of the Peace, which is technically a politician. Good job. Like you mission accomplished, you know. Um And I think that in a way, like when we talked about this when we were talking about art versus content, right? Um in a way I think the process to become this type of person is a lot more transparent than it's ever been because most of these people are doing it at home. There's not, there's not a whole lot of uh, veneer on top of it of unattainability. It's, It's hard for you to look at a person sitting in their bedroom and it's a bedroom that looks a lot more like your bedroom than this movie set that music videos used to be made on. Um, with a, guitar that you've seen in a guitar store before on a microphone you've seen on amazon before being famous it's like i can get all of the things i need to do this actually on a relatively short budget and i just need to do it you know i think that's good i guess i just don't think that i think that we'll see like a brief uptick as more people start to try to do this because i think the worst people that propagate the stereotyping of like ideation and things like that they're the ones who aren't famous yet and don't have much following anyway but they're really yeah it's and i can't really fault them too much i guess for another think about it because they're faking it till they make it which is a great way to make it for the record i think that's absolutely a viable strategy in some ways you know walk the walk talk the talk while you're trying to walk the walk or vice versa walk you know do it something that rhymes something that rhymes and is easy for people to digest yes <laughs> um again remember i'm not the creative one here um but yeah do it if you want to get better at it and you want to do it for a living do it and do it until you get good enough at it until someone pays you to do it and then boom now you're doing it for a living you know i think that's the same that process is you not you is not unique at all. I think that's common across most job fields. I mean, I sure faked it for a long while. Sure. Yeah, it just... But also accept the reality that you might not get lucky. Mm-hmm. Have a backup plan. For sure. And there's nothing wrong with doing your creative outlets as a hobby. Which is another thing that I don't hear as much. Yeah. There are plenty of people I know that 
They have a creative You can have outlet. a band and have fun with your band and not try to become rock stars. Right. And it's kind of funny because that's also what you hear a lot of famous people talk about once they become famous is they lament now that they have all this money. Of course. That they don't have to. <laughs> now that I'm rich and famous, man, I miss doing this for no money at all and just for fun. It's like, but did you ever do it just for fun? Weren't you starving at that point? You're like, you know, um, it's this like buyer's remorse almost of being famous. <laughs> um, but still, I think that's absolutely true though. You know, we, I think people absolutely should just do things because they enjoy them. And, and I think now more so than ever, you know, before we wrap up here, it's, I mean, we don't do this for money. No. Fortunately. <laughs> yes. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, we do it because we enjoy it. And at least that's what I keep telling him. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> but I have access to all the accounts. I just never checked them. I believed you. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing things. I, you know, maybe that's something else to talk about another time. You don't have to have everything in one package. You don't have to have the perfect job where you love it and you feel like you make a big difference in the world and you make a ton of money. Like, you can actually delegate those things into different parts of your right, life. You can do all of those things separately. Yeah. And still live a good full life. So philosophers philosophers if you like the music in this episode please check out jippy on bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com philosophers is supported by viewers like you if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description or in the comments below thank you for listening